thank you for your presence just being here this morning. We have a God that we can worship. We have a God that loves us. That leads us still water. Amen, amen. Amen. So good to be in the house, Lord. Worshiping our good God. Today we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, it's, a, it's the best thing we do as a church by far. God do amazing things in your life. You seek Him with that kind of intensity and seriousness. Uh, he says, if you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Amen. And so, uh, you be praying and, and maybe you've already received an answer from the Lord as to what you're to do, but uh, maybe you want to miss breakfast and spend that time in the word and prayer or miss breakfast and lunch or however, but just know that uh, as you neglect this body and gain the spirit, I'm going to tell you, God do amazing things in your life. Amazing things in your life. We will meet each morning at 6 a.m. here in the sanctuary and uh, have a, just an, an hour in which we would just uh, spend time in prayer and a, and a small, small devotional uh, thought to, to kind of focus in on. And then on Saturdays, it's 9 a.m. But uh, would love for you to come join us for that. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I promise you, God will do amazing things in your life if you get that serious with him and uh, press in through fasting and prayer. Amen? Amen. The Bible talks about the harlot of Babylon. Or whore of Babylon, depending on your translation. And as we read the scriptures and you see this character in the scriptures, you're thinking, what is this? What is this harlot of Babylon? As we, as we see it in Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18, uh, described in that way, uh, God is saying that he's bringing an end to the harlot of Babylon. And he gives a description of this. And, and we have to ask ourselves, okay, what, what is this Babylon? We know it was a city. But it was destroyed in uh, 530-something B.C., and the ruins are there north of Baghdad, Iraq. So why in the world are we talking about it again in Revelation chapter 17? I'm going to tell you, it's because it's more than a city, it's a spirit. Now, I'm going to try and take some complicated, complex passages of Scripture today and try to make sense of it. And I hope that I don't confuse you or make it more complex. But uh, I want you to, to know that... that in this world that we live in, there is another world that you don't see. Everybody with me? There are angels and demons that exist in this world that you may not see, but it don't mean they're not there. In fact, God created multitudes of angels. And in that multitude of angels, there are hierarchies, there are, there are archangels. And one of those archangels' names was Lucifer. And the angel Lucifer, uh, he was pretty impressed with himself. And uh, he liked himself a whole lot. And uh, he thought that he was better than God and that he would overthrow God. In fact, he led a third of the other angels to join with him in his revolt. And with that, God cast him out of heaven. And, uh, and we have now, that angel used to be called Lucifer, he's now known as Satan. Uh, or the devil, the deceiver. Uh, the accuser of the brethren, he's got a lot of names, but uh, uh, he's got an army with him also. One third of those angels that, were th that was thrown out, they're now what we call demons. 
This is going on in the spiritual world around us. Uh, and, and you may not recognize it, but they have great power. They have great influence. And this is what you see with the harlot of Babylon. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. You may be sitting here thinking, what in the world have I walked into? <laughs> we're, we're, we're looking at some deep scriptures today. We At Sand Springs, uh, we uh, get deep in the word. Uh, I don't particularly splash around in shallow theology. I want to get into some deep word of God stuff. Amen. And so here we are in Revelation 17. What we're looking at is at the end of time in which God is making all things right. He is destroying all evil and uh, making all things new. And I'm kind of plopping you down in the middle of this or actually toward the end of it. And in Revelation 17, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now, as you're looking at that, you're going to be asking yourself like I did, what am I reading? And who is this? Or what is this? And I just need you to know that you're reading someone's description of their vision. Okay? You're reading someone's description of their vision. And when you receive a vision, many of the things that you see in your spiritual vision are symbolic of other things. Okay, there's symbolism there here. I believe that the Bible is 100% literal. I literally believe it 100% literal, except for that, that which is symbolic. <laughs> And so we get some of this that is symbolic. And, and so when you're looking at this beast that's got uh, 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 seven heads and ten horns, and you're looking at some of this stuff like, that is one weird-looking beast. Yeah, it's scary. But what you're actually seeing is a vision, a spiritual vision, and that those seven heads are, are references to seven governments, and the ten horns are, are ten government leaders. And it, it gets crazy. And we're not going to go into the study of the beast today. Uh, we just kind of, I do want to make mention to you though that that beast is in, in cooperation with the antichrist and the harlot is riding on the beast which means that the harlot is propped up by an anti-christian government i'm not talking about the u.s government i'm not talking about i'm talking about it says she has influenced all the governments of the world all the governments of the world. Notice that she has, she's riding on many waters. In other words, the whole world has been influenced by this spiritual system of seduction. That, that, that phrase right there should have helped you figure this out. There's a spiritual system of seduction. And this system is known as the harlot of Babylon. Why is it, why is it an image of a harlot? Well, just know that this seducing 
It's a drawing away to try and con- try and get God's people drawn away from faithfulness to God to commit adultery against God. Spiritual adultery. It's all in the Old Testament that when I turn from the God that I love to the world that, I, that, that is enticing me, it is spiritual adultery. And so we see this, this description of this vision, and it's a crazy scripture, a crazy vision, and that there's this, this harlot, and she's got all these blasphemous names all over her, but she's dressed up in, in royal attire, and, and yet on her head, the mother of all harlots. Why? It's, it's, it's wild. But I want to tell you, we're going to look at some of the, the other scriptures of where this comes from and kind of how we see it progress over time. Start with me in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, it starts with a city called Babel. Babel will one day become Babylon. But at first it was Babel. This is after the flood when man is replenishing the earth and uh, uh, we see humanity uh, begin to increase again on the earth. And then what we see is this weird little story about some people that want to build a skyscraper. Like what's wrong with building a skyscraper? I just drove through the city, a couple, a few cities this week and big old huge skyscrapers everywhere. What's wrong with that? Nothing unless it is demonically influenced as a way to poke a finger in the eye of God. And that's what's going on with this Tower of Babel. And the Lord looks down and says, verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Looks innocent enough. And God, yet God comes along and says, if I don't do something about them, there's nothing they can't do. Isn't that wild? How a, a unified people against God is that powerful. Let me tell you, a unified people for God is much more powerful. Amen? But what we see, one of the characteristics that we see of this Bible is a, it is trying to unify people. It is trying to bring together people. Why does this spirit always use people? Why? Because it's going to hurt people and God loves people so it hurts God. This spirit hates God. And because God loves people, it hates people. And it, it targets people. And so it would use these people. And, and, and by the way, spirits always use people. And we'll use these people for uh, the, the purpose of trying to, again, poke a finger in the eye of God. We see Babylon begin to be mentioned again in the history books of, of the Bible. As Israel begins to stray away from the Lord, stray away from the Lord. We see a city that is now going to come against Israel. And uh, in particular, you got world powers that are in operation in, in history. You can study that on your own time. I don't have time to do it today. But you got world powers that are growing in strength, one after the other. And the northern part of Israel is overtaken by a group called the Assyrians. But then over time, as God has tried to use his prophets to bring the, the southern part of Israel back into repentance, they continue to refuse God. And then there's a group called the Babylonians. The Babylonians and the Chaldeans are a group of people that are vicious and and mean, and they come against God's people, destroy the city of Jerusalem, take away uh, the articles of the temple with them as their temple treasures, and, 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 and haul them off to Babylon with the best people in the land. 
If you look at the book of Daniel, you're seeing some of this very activity. The best people then, Daniel being one of them, his three friends, uh, we, we can do their, their Israel names, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah, but you know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or Meshach, Yorshach, and a bungalow. Amen. So we see them in the book of Daniel being carried away into captivity into Babylon into Babylon. We can see the city and kind of see some of the characteristics of it, but I want to give you some of the spiritual insight that Daniel had. Look with me in the book of Daniel, book of Daniel. The king of Babylon at this time has a dream. And as he has this dream, he tells his wise men, I said, he says, I want you to tell me what I dreamed and then tell me what the dream means. And they said, nobody can do that. He says, if you don't, you die. And so they, they, the time has ended and they said, okay, now all of our wise men, the Magi are going to be killed. And someone comes to Daniel and says, this is what's happened. And Daniel said, hey, I can interpret your dream. And so he comes back to uh, the, the leader, there's authority over him and says, tell the king that I can interpret dreams. And so he said, give me some time and I'll pray about it. And so in Daniel chapter two, you see Daniel explain the dream back to the king. And so verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, uh, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but there is a God in heaven. Amen. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Do you notice what he said? He is revealing to the king what's going to happen in the latter days. Now, we know that all of these things did happen except for one of these things. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to pull out a little bit of it. We don't have the days and weeks that it takes to pull out all of it. But we will in this short time try and reveal some of it to you. Daniel says, here's what you dreamed. You dreamed of a statue. Its head was made of gold, its chest was made of silver, torso of bronze, feet of bronze and clay. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the gold head. You are the first king of this, of this statue, this vision that God has given you. As the king of Babylon, you are the first of the one world governments. And then there will be one after you. The two arms are the Medes and the Persians. And then, and by the way, he doesn't tell him these, these different countries. We know them because history tells us these countries. You have the gold, the silver, the bronze, the bronze, and the clay. He says, and then there will, this, this other government, which we now know as Greece, will be this torso, torso of bronze. And then there will be another government, and we know who it is. The ten toes of bronze and clay was the Roman government built on ten hills with ten different governments. And we know, and then he says, in your dream, you see a stone coming at this statue. A stone not cut out with hands, but comes at it's a statue and it hits it in its feet, destroys the statue, it becomes dust. Now let me just give you a little understanding. That is world history. Babylon was the first world government. Then we have the Medes and the Persians who defeated Babylon. Then we had Greece. And you'll see beasts also mentioned in the book of Daniel. And they describe Alexander the Great. 
The young man who conquered all the known world and then cried because he didn't have more to conquer. And he did it with such speed that some of the beasts that you see have these wings and they don't even touch the ground because this is vision. This is spiritual vision that God gives in people. And I think if you got somebody that don't believe in the Bible and don't believe in God, you take them to the book of Daniel. So this was written before all of that stuff happened. And God told us what would happen and it happened just like he said it would. Amen. If I were to tell you, uh, by the way, when y'all leave church and I point out an individual, you're going to leave and there will be a red car pulled right out in front of you. And, and when it does, you just follow in right behind that car. But there will be a blue car pulled behind you. Then you're going to start thinking, oh, he's up to something. But then they're gonna, I start to giving you descriptions of things that happen that are just completely random and out of this world. And everything happened just like I said. You would think something about me, wouldn't you? You would think, man, this guy, he, he, he's, he's something special. Well, let me just assure you, I'm not, but God is. And he has, he has given the vision of these world powers coming into effect. And the first one is Babylon. And we see a description of Babylon begin to come into being. As with Babel, it would be a gathering of people to try and come against God. With Babylon, if you don't comply, you die. Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were told that you bow down to a statue that Nebuchadnezzar created and said, everybody's going to bow down. And that these three Jewish boys says, we won't bow. Well, if you don't comply, you die. If you don't comply, you die. You begin seeing the spirit. Begin. Here's what happens. As, a, as this stuff rises up and God knocks it down, remember, demons aren't born and they don't die. They just learn. They just learn. And we're going to do it different next time. We're going to be better next time. And so we see one rise up. God knocks it down. They learn. And they continue and they continue. And just know that there's a spiritual system in place right now. And I don't know if it's rising up, that we're in the time of its uprising. But I guarantee you, it's still alive. And it's still operating. And it's a satanic system of seduction trying to draw people away draw people away draw people away as we look at some of this stuff i know it can be kind of wild and and we see some of these descriptions of visions and and just know that there's meaning behind all of these things and 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 what we see with the 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 harlot of babylon has actually been prophesied in the book of isaiah if you turn with me to isaiah chapter 47 this kind of kind of blows your mind when you read prophecy but Isaiah 47 begins to describe the harlot of Babylon. And, and verse, 40, uh, verse 1 says, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. O virgin daughter. It starts off kind of innocent, kind of like Babel. It just seems just kind of innocent. we got people that are gathering together, and yet they're influenced. They're under the influence. And it says, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne. O daughter of the Chaldeans, if you remember what I said about them, they were a demonically influenced people who were cruel and vicious. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal, remove your veil, take off the skirt, uncover the thigh. Pass through the rivers, your nakedness shall be uncovered. Yes, your shame will be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not arbitrate with a man. As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no longer be called the Lady of the Kingdoms. What she thinks 
And we continue to read. You can read on your own time. She thinks she's something special and beautiful and proper and prim. And, and, and she's a seductress. And she lures people away. And here's what it says, verse 8. Therefore, hear this now. You who are given to pleasures, who dwell in security, who dwell securely, who say in your heart, I am and there is no one else besides me. This is, this is exactly what caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. He says, I am higher than God. I, I will elevate myself higher than the Lord. And you see this description also in the prophecies of Isaiah. But we see this description of, of the harlot of Babylon. And it says, uh, who say in your heart, I am and there's no one else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children. Now, if you read that with me, turn with me to Revelation chapter 17. Thousands of years later, that same description is given to John in the book of Revelation. He writes it down and it says it right here in verse nine. In the measure that she glorified herself, this is chapter 18, by the way, verse nine. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Isn't that interesting how you have uh, Isaiah uh, prophecy that is repeated again in Revelation 17. You see, God gives this vision to Isaiah and it is repeated again in Revelation thousands of years later. Do you want, I'm going to tell you something. John didn't know Isaiah. But God gives these revelations to each of them. This is what's interesting. Y'all are just looking at me like, what have I stepped into? But I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we have this interesting statement at the end of the letter. The apostle Peter who was like the lead apostle of Jesus' apostles, the apostle Peter is writing a letter and he closes out his letter with this. Now, remember, let me, let me back up real quick. You have the kingdom of Babylon. It is defeated in 536 B.C. by the Medes. Remember the, the statue? The Medes and the Persians defeats Babylon. It is, it is right now... Just north, like 50-something miles north of Baghdad, Iraq, ruins. You can go explore them today. It has not been rebuilt. It's just ruins. And yet, here is Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, says, uh, verse 12. Let's start in verse 12. By Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly Exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, talking about a church, she who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and, God, and so does Mark, my son. What, what is this about? Peter just said the church that is in Babylon, when Babylon's been destroyed for a thousand years, he says the church that is in Babylon, who is he referring to and where is Peter? Peter's in Rome. Peter's in Rome. If you'll remember, the statue was the head of gold, the torso, the, the chest of silver, the torso of bronze, and the feet of bronze and clay. There will be a stone that comes and hits that torso, that, that statue, and the feet of bronze and clay. The feet of Rome. Peter is referring to Rome as Babylon. 
Why? Because that spirit, even though the city was knocked down, the spirit continued to rise up again. Knock down that city, that spirit will rise up again. And then comes this stone that is not carved out with man's hands. What is this picture of? The rock, Jesus. Amen. You can call him Rocky if you want to. <laughs> Jesus comes and because they crucified our heavenly king, Jesus, that the end of the Roman Empire, the last one world government, it actually was brought to destruction because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There was one lunatic who tried to re revive the Roman government, the, the Roman system. And in one world government, and his name was Adolf Hitler. Didn't go well for him. That was, the Roman government was the last one world government until the end of days in which the Antichrist, and, and we're not going to get into to that, that's just way too much study for this short time that we have. But the harlot, the harlot is riding this anti-Christian government. All right. So what are you saying, preacher? You saying that the harlot is alive and well today? Absolutely. Are you saying that our government is the harlot of Babylon? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Remember, all governments are influenced by her. You say it, maybe, maybe it's, and here's what we start doing. We start thinking. Man, we always get in trouble. We start thinking, don't we? We start thinking. Maybe it's the World Health Organization. We didn't even know they existed until covid and now all of a sudden we hear the World Health Organization and find out they got some real power. Maybe that's who it is because all the kingdoms of the world are influenced. Maybe it's the United Nations. Here's my answer. No, 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 no. It's none of these people. It's none of these organizations. It's none of these governments. But all of them are influenced by her. All of them are influenced by her. It is a satanic system of seduction trying to lure you away lure you away and every time you compromise in your faith every time you say well I know what the Bible says but every time you compromise in your faith you have been successfully seduced by the whore of Babylon what am I trying to say what, where am I going well for the next few weeks we're going to be talking about uh, how to excel in these ages that we live in, in this age that we live in, how to not survive. I'm not saying this is a, this is a, a survival sermon that should stir up some fear in you. I ain't doing that. That's a bunch of bull. Let me tell you, I don't want God's people to be fearful of anything. I want you to be fierce in everything. Amen. And if you begin to, to, to take this defensive mode and say, oh, we just need to protect our little selves and, and our little religion and, and our little church. And we just need to stay, uh, stay to ourselves inside the four wall. Stop. And you were never meant to be on the defense. You were always meant to be on the offense. Here's, here's some good stuff. As we look at the harlot of Babylon, I love this. This is good. I get stirred up sometimes. Y'all might know it. My head red right now. <laughs> First uh, chapter 18, we see after verse one, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of what? Demons, Demons a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Again, it's not one government. It's not one kingdom. If I were to try and think of it as a thing, I would say, above all things, this could be the internet. This could be the internet. Why? Because when it falls, no one can buy or sell anything. It, it, let me just keep reading. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. Oh, let me back up. Verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That'd be us. Come out of her, my people. Oh, so the preacher's saying we need to cut off our internet. That ain't what the preacher's saying. That ain't what I'm saying. That ain't what I'm saying. So, but he says, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. It, let me just clarify something. I'm not saying it's the internet. <laughs> But I'm saying there's a spiritual seduction going on all the time, trying to lure you away from truth, trying to lure you away from God. And God says, hey, don't you compromise. You come out for that. You don't you compromise. Don't you give one minute's notice to the harlot of Babylon. Come out of her, verse 4, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues for her sins of reached heaven. Verse 6, I love it. Rendered to her just as she rendered to you. <laughs> Think about it. He says, I want you to make her pay. Christians who aren't being seduced, I want you to make her pay. How many of you have lost family members who have walked away from the faith, who have listened to the lies and the seduction of the harlot of Babylon, this satanic seducer who is drawing people away? How many of you have lost family members? He said, for every one that you lost, you gained two. I want you to go and make her pay for what she's taken. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. And the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and I will not sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. And then it goes on. The, the kings of the earth who committed fornication, verse 9, and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. It's crazy. We begin looking at and we can say, oh, what in the world could this be? I can tell you what it is. It's not a city. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And this spirit is operating and working even now and trying to lure you away. Are we living in a time of the uprising of Babylon? I don't know. I have some, some that has you say that word statistics that might tell you of some of the seduction. If you notice the first Babel. It was the uniting of the people. Second, when Babylon rises up, it is the uniting of the people against God. But then also, if you don't comply, you will die. And then the third time we see here in the book of Revelation, you see an extreme sexual nature involved in the seduction of God's people. 
Here's one thing we do know. The porn industry makes $97 billion. 89% of pornography comes from the U.S. 35% of all online downloads are porn. $3 billion of which of this, of this $97 billion, with a B, $3 billion is child pornography. This has exploded in my lifetime. In my lifetime. Can I just be, all right, I'm thinking get, I need a roly sleeve. Well, I grew up in Athens, Texas. I grew up in Athens, Texas, where if you wanted pornography, you had to go down to the courthouse square on the east side of the courthouse square and walk down to the palace drugs. Well, it was a 170-something-year-old woman. <laughs> Not exactly 170. She's old enough. But she'd sell pornography to a 16-year-old boy. That was how you had to do it when I grew up here. Now, anybody with a cell phone. It's exploding, exploding. The sensual nature of, of the world around us is exploding. The sex industry is exploding in growth. The human trafficking is exploding in growth. And this hits some of us very near to home. This month makes three years that my niece has been missing. And it's a very real possibility that she has been captured we have a 21-minute 911 call where she's running for her life. It's a very real possibility she has been sold into the sex world as a slave. This has exploded in my lifetime. And in spite of what y'all think, I'm not old. <laughs> I'm not old. This is happening now. We can go on with more and more statistics, but when it comes to human trafficking, do you know what the number one uh, uh, place in America for human trafficking is? Houston, Texas. Yeah. Number two, Dallas, Texas. I have been to a home where, where, where women have been rescued out of this world and blow your mind. Yes. I came back from Dallas just mind blown. Are we living in the time of the uprising of Babylon? I don't know. But if it gets much worse than this, how can we stand it? How can we stand it? I'm not trying to build fear. I'm trying to bring awareness, but recognize that there is a real spiritual system that is operating in the world around us and is trying to seduce God's people away. And it's good at it. It's good at it. Here's what the scriptures say. Yeah, I better wrap it up. Here's what the scriptures say in Ephesians chapter, five, uh, chapter six. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. Everybody know that verse of scripture? You've heard it before probably. We don't wrestle against human beings. I'm not fighting people. I'm not struggling with, no. They, they're just simply captives of the enemy. I'm on a rescue mission. Amen. And just as he said, come out from her, don't get seduced by her, but make her pay double for everything she's done. If this seduction has taken God's people away from God, my job is to bring them back. Amen. My God is, has called me and you to raise up an army to say, we're well, going to fight against them. You're going to win them. You're going to bring back the captives who he has taken. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's one way of saying all kinds of ranks of demons. 
If this Babylon is a single demon, I don't know. Or if it's a demonic system, I'm pretty sure. But there are ranks of demons. And, and it's like this, this seduction process. They've grown really good at it. But here's what the next verse says. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against all these demonic powers. Therefore, take up the whole army, uh, armor of God. Amen? That you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done everything you can do, you keep standing. Amen? You continue to stand. Put on the helmet of salvation that covers your mind with the truth of God's word. The breastplate of righteousness that covers your heart and your desires with the righteousness of God. You're right standing in Christ Jesus. Amen? Not a, not a right doing. It's a right standing righteousness. The belt of truth that you don't understand, that you don't listen to the lies of the enemy. The belt of truth ties it all together. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace so that we can pay, make her pay double for every person that she's taken. Amen? And then taking up the shield of faith. The shield of faith, which is the word of God, continue to believe in the word of God and the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, speaking it, speaking it, speaking it, speaking the word of God. We say that when we look at that passage of scripture, we look at the armor of God. People say, I've heard it so many times. There's only one offensive weapon. There's only one offensive weapon. And that is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon. But you've missed it. You've missed it if that's what you think. There's only one thing that you can do is speak the word of God. Because here's what it says. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is mighty. Prayer is powerful. And when God's people join together in prayer, absolutely speaking the word of God, speaking the truth of God's word. But when we gather together to pray, the enemy shakes. Our church, I don't know of any time than today that more people have been sick in our church than right now. I'm telling you, I've gotten calls even today of people that say, I'm sick, I can't make it, I'm sick. I, Across the board, so many people have been sick, and I don't think it's coincidence. I think there's a very real enemy, and he's very, really scared. Because when we enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you will take this serious, and you really press into God, and, and, and you, you will charge the gates of hell. Amen? You will, you will take back and make the enemy pay double. It's not just by speaking the truth of God's word, it's also through prayer. What's your prayer life like? Do you pray weekly? W-E-E-K-L-Y? Or do you pay, pray weekly? W-E-A-K-L-E-Y? Or do you pray powerfully through the Spirit of God, making the enemy pay for everything he took? Amen? Well, that's enough for today. <laughs> this is just trying to lay a foundation for the next few weeks on how can we excel in this generation? Not survive, not just simply get by. When you look at Daniel, here's a man who prospered in the midst of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the powerful word that you have downloaded on us this week. And that you continue to reveal truths, principles to us. 
You continue to give us vision. We thank you for it, Lord. I'm just going to share with y'all real quick, real quick, where the sermon started. I was given a vision of a pastor who was wrapped up in a caressing hug. Her back was to me. And you see this affectionate hug. And then that hug turned into a demonic chokehold. And you see it like a python just choking the life out of this pastor. That's where this started. God gives vision. He gives warnings. He gives insight. And let me know, let you know that anytime that you think you're going to caress this harlot, she will choke life out of you. She will suffocate you and destroy you. Father, I pray that you'd give us true spiritual insight to the world that is going on around us. We can't see it with our eyes, but we can see it with our spirit. Would you give us insight into what you've called us to do, who we are, more than conquerors, mighty warriors, overcomers, victorious, an army of God who can't be beat. As long as we don't compromise, as long as we continue to stand in truth and move forward. Thank you for these principles that you've opened up our understanding to. Help us, oh God, to remain strong in our faith and never bending to the enemy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right after that passage of scripture where it's describing the fall of the harlot of Babylon, it says in chapter 19 of Revelation that all heaven erupted in worship. Amen. And it was rejoicing because Babylon has fallen, has fallen. Let me just tell you, we win. God is victorious and he will bring all evil to rest and, and destroy it. And he will bring up the church victorious. Amen. And the next thing it says in Revelation chapter 19, it says, rejoice because the marriage supper of the lamb has been prepared. Amen. Jesus gave us a little commercial when he, he set the table and, 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 and brought to us the Lord's Supper. And he says, it's a little preview. We're going to do this in glory. We're going to do this in glory. We take communion at Sand Springs. Why? Well, because we remember the cross. We're reminding ourselves that the curse has been reversed, that Jesus Christ has conquered the great. It's a, it's a reminder that when hell brought all it could, he won. Amen. When he brought death upon Jesus, he rose up victorious and that he won for us. And as we take communion, we remind ourselves that by his stripes, we're healed. By his wounds, we're made whole. As I said, we got so many people sick today. This, God showed me this two years ago. That there will be a distinction between those who remember this faith action of communion and those that don't. And I've seen God do the miraculous 
through the action, this faith action of communion. And I want you to lift up. You got a family member that's sick, you lift up their name. You mention their name to the Lord as we go through the faith action of communion. Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we're made whole. We're healed. By his wounds we're made whole. Jesus has already taken our whooping. Amen. Sickness and pain and disaster and death was laid on him so that you don't have to go through it. So through this faith that yes, we live in a world that is cursed. This world that is cursed. We're going to get sick. But we got a God that's greater than the curse of this world. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that on our behalf, you went to the cross. You took our whooping. They didn't have to. They, all that was required was a blood sacrifice. Why was there more? Because every sin had to be paid for and you paid for it. You paid for it with every lash of the whip, with every punch in the face. You paid for it so that we don't have to. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your healing power. You are a mighty, miracle-working God, and we trust you. We look to you. We don't look to this world. We look to you. We call up the names of our loved ones, our friends, just lift them up to you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Jesus, we thank you that you gave your blood. As you gave your life for our lives, we have salvation. And through you, your death on the cross, and our acceptance through faith, we receive your grace. And because of that, we are saved, saved, gloriously saved and we rejoice in that fact it's in jesus name we pray amen amen i hope i didn't blow y'all's minds today i hope i took something that is complex and complicated and i hope i made it understandable to you i hope that you recognize that there's a spiritual world going on around you and you were not called to be afraid of it you were called to fight it amen